Man, I love our worship team, but I love our worship team because they are so faithfully leading us into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can worship him and praise him. Hey, we're in a um, sermon series that we're just calling Deeper. And I want you to not just hear that as a sermon series title, but just stop and just consider what would it look like for you to actually say, wait a minute, there's not too much of the, the, the year that's gone. It's not too late to start. I want to actually go deeper with Jesus this year. Next week, we're going to talk about going deeper in prayer. And surely every one of us would, uh, would say, you know, honestly could go deeper in prayer. No matter where your prayer life is, what level of intimacy you have with Jesus Christ, you most likely you're sitting there going, I, I, could go, I could go deeper. And today, we're not talking about going deeper in prayer. We're going to be talking about going deeper in community. Community. Now, before you start letting that go in one ear and out the other and just start uh, trying to daydream about something else or, you know, Brady or Dak or, you know, try to figure that out. And no, no, no. Think about this for a second. You and I are actually designed by God, created by God for community. Now, I say for community in the sense that we actually need community. We actually function as a human being better when we are experiencing community with other people. So I want you to just stop right now and just entertain this thought. What would it look like, no matter what level of, of intimacy I have in community, specifically with other believers, what would it look like for me to take it to the next level? What would it look like for me to actually go deeper and do I really want to go deeper? And if I did go deeper into community, I became more connected to other followers of Jesus. What good would that actually do? Uh, is that really worth the investment of time, effort, and energy? I want you to at least consider that prayerfully as we dive into this text, because we're going to try to answer a lot of those questions. I can tell you right up front, let's just get it out there. God designed us for community. God created us that way. God himself exists in community. You've heard of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. God himself has always existed in community. And the basic invitation of God is that he is inviting us to join him in community. Join him in community. That's how fundamental community is to the way God designed you. But really, from the beginning, we've understood how important community is. The writer of Ecclesiastes put it this way, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. The, the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, hey, listen, God designed you not just to experience community in the sense of fellowship, but community in the sense of work. Two are better than one. He is saying two people working together can actually accomplish more than just one person working by themselves and another person and working by themselves. Two are better than one. There's a great re reward There's, for their toil. Uh, for if one falls, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together and they keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. One is better than two. Two is better, uh, two is better than one. Three is better than two. That's what he's saying. You and I were designed for community. 
We were created for it. We were wired for it. A former justice of the Supreme Court uh, said, uh, we don't accomplish anything in this world alone. Now, now let me just kind of bring this to our day and to what we've just experienced. The need for community was highlighted, magnified. The fact that God designed us with a need, wired us with a need to connect with others, it was highlighted during the pandemic. I mean, think about what happened with the pandemic. Social distancing, lockdowns, remote work, school closures resulted in what medical journals are now calling, and I quote, an unprecedented increase in anxiety and depression. Uh, we got isolated from each other, and, and now we're not having the fellowship. We don't have uh, others kind of talking us off the ledge. We kind of get inside of ourselves, and, 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 and it just has resulted in some bad things. Uh, and that's over all of the population, but nowhere has it been more detrimental than among our students and teenagers. One study done by Stanford University discovered, and I quote, through a series of MRI scans on the brains of teenagers during the pandemic, they did MRI scans, that isolation led to negative structural changes to the part of a teenager's brain that's responsible for memory, concentration, learning, emotion, reactivity, how we react when good things happen, when bad things happen, and judgment. And as a result, we have seen a marked increase in mental health struggles, but nowhere is that more noticeable than among teenagers. Uh, one of the individuals on our student staff is in schools every week in different schools. And one of the things that I didn't know, and I'm assuming it's all of the schools in our area, students now all wear a lanyard and on one side of the lanyard is the student's ID. You want to know what else is on the other side of the lanyard? Suicide hotline prevention number. Nowhere have we seen the need for community highlighted more than when we went through the pandemic. We were wired for community. Uh, we don't have to experience community, but when we don't experience community, then the way God wired us, some things begin to break down. We need community. That's why around here we talk about 5G disciples. And, and, and you know, the first G is saved by grace and live by grace. And the next G, anybody remember what the next G is? We are wired for this. God designed us for this. And the second G starts with a G to give you a hint. Does anybody remember what the second G is? We're wired for gathering. Who said it? Man, you deserve a cookie. Come to the snapshot and we'll give you a cookie, all right? We are designed to gather. We are wired to gather together. God told us that from the beginning. Then the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. We find community in marriage, absolutely. But we also find it in family, don't we? We find it in friendships, but, but specifically, God wired us for community with fellow church members. 
with fellow followers of Jesus. There's just something happen, that happens when we are doing life together with others who are following Jesus together with us. You remember on Pentecost, thousands were saved and the leaders of the church immediately divided the people up into groups and they devoted themselves, the Bible says, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. We know that they were meeting in the temple, yes, but they were meeting house to house. Trust me, no house was big enough in the first century to house thousands of followers of Jesus. They were divided up into smaller groups because we need community. That's why our life groups are so important. And that's why we are so thrilled to see after the pandemic, do you know we had more people in church and in our life groups last Sunday than we've had since before the pandemic. And that's because we recognize we need each other. Amen. Do you know last Sunday in our children's ministry, we had 65 more children in our life groups in the children's ministry than we did a year ago. That's because parents recognize my kids need to, the community of the faith. They need to be in fellowship with other kids who are figuring out what does it look like to follow Jesus in this day. That's why Paul warned us. This is still just the illustration. Y'all know that, right? Hang with me. That's why Paul warned us. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. See, we gather together and what happens when we're gathered together versus just kind of doing life in isolation by ourselves? See, when we gather together, what happens is we consider how to spur one another on to love and good deeds. We, we are inspired. When you're around other people who just love Jesus, you just begin to love Jesus more. When you're around other people who love others, you're just inspired to love others more. When you're around people who are doing good deeds, who are helping and ministering and serving, you're thinking, man, I can lend a hand, I can do that. But if you're living in isolation, you kind of get your thinking off kilter. So Paul warned us, don't neglect community. Think about a coal in a fire. Man, if you've got a bed of coals, you can just kind of cover them up with ash and the next morning literally just remove the ash and, and that bed of coals is still red hot. Throw a couple of logs on and you've got a fire roaring in no time. But you pull any one of those coals away from the rest of the fire and what happens to that coal? It goes cold in no time, flat. I believe that you and I are being called of God this year to go deeper in community connecting with other people in the family of faith more than we ever have. And you go, well, what does that look like, Gary? We learn about community from one of the greatest friendships in the word of God, the friendship between David and Jonathan. And, and I want to read this portion of scripture and, and you probably need a break anyway. So I want you to stand up with me and, and I want you to read this portion of scripture with me. Would you do that? Let's, let's just read it together and look at the screen and not my bald head, okay? Because that's not fair. As soon as he finished speaking to Saul... 
The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him so that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. Remain standing and just pray with me. Lord Jesus, Would you call us deeper into community today? Lord, don't let us fool ourselves and think that community is optional. Lord, would you just show us today how you designed us, wired us to experience community with other believers? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, go ahead and grab a seat. Hey, one thing I just want you to walk away with today is God designed you for community, created you for community, created us to experience it together. So what creates good community? That's what we're talking about today. David and Jonathan are gonna be our teachers, right? Their friendship. So what leads to good community? First thing is this, giving your heart. I love the part of the text that says, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, soul knit to soul. That means that Jonathan and David were connected. That means Jonathan and David uh, were not just casual friends. I mean, there is a heart connection. Their souls are knit together. I mean, think about uh, something goes down at two in the morning. Maybe there's a health crisis. Uh, Maybe you just need a friend for something. Who do you call at two in the morning? Trust me, you don't call a casual acquaintance. Hey, hey, Joe, uh, do you remember me? Yeah, this is Garrett. Yeah, we met the other day at the office around the coffee pot. You know, I got you some coffee. Well, I I told you where the coffee pot was and you got your own coffee. You remember? (laughs) You remember me, Joe? Hey, Joe, man, I've got an emergency. Could you come over and help? Do you call an acquaintance at two in the morning? You call somebody that your soul is knit together with. And Jonathan and David, man, they were kindred spirits. We know all about David and Goliath. What we don't know about is that on one occasion, Jonathan fights 20 Philistines. He defeats 20 Philistines. I mean, that's on par with defeating Goliath, right? And it throws the Philistine army into confusion and the Philistine army began to flee. Jonathan was courageous. He was a kindred spirit with David. There was a heart connection that went beyond just being an acquaintance. You and I are wired with a need 
to have our soul knit together with someone else's soul. That's the way God designed you. I told you about a book that I read this past summer that was phenomenal. It's a book that really was done just on brain science and just looking at the way that your brain is wired. You and I believe God created everything. And so we know that this is the way that God created your brain. And it's called The Other Half of Church. And and in this book, it just talks about how scientists have discovered the left side of your brain Think just logical for a minute. The left side of your brain is processing, calculating, problem solving, calculating cause and effect and focusing on belief, doctrine, what we believe in other words. Now think of the right side of your brain and I know some of you think I'm gonna say the word creative but instead think relational. Left side is very logical. Right side is relational. Right side is processing uh, taste, touch, smell, hearing, Now, the right side of your brain works faster than the left side of your brain. The right side of your brain is processing information six times per second. Taste, touch, smell, sight, sound. And it's processing all this information six times a second. And that's why sometimes you know things before you even know how you know them because the right side of your brain is processing information six times a second before the left side of your brain even goes to work. And so you kind of start seeing something and thinking something and you're going, ooh, I'm kind of uncomfortable here. That's because the right side of your brain's already been hard at work. And what they discovered is this, the right side of your brain, every time you walk into a room is asking this question six times a second. Who is happy to see me? Whose face just lit up because I walked into the room. Because the right side of your brain is also processing this question. Who are my people? Who am I going to be connected to? Who is inviting me to knit their, my soul together with their soul? Six times a second, your brain is trying to identify who you can connect with. Why? because that's the way God wired your brain. He's inviting you into community with him for all eternity. He wants you to love him, but he wants you to love others. He's inviting you throughout all eternity to enter into community with others, and he doesn't want you to wait. He wants you to get started now. Your soul longs to be knit together with someone else's soul, and you want to know who your soul is going to be knit together with? The person whose face lights up when you walk into the room. Because as it turns out, now this is deep and profound. You've probably never heard this before, but we love those who love us. Now that's deep stuff, amen? Okay, that's not deep at all. You're going, duh? And I'm going, yeah, duh. We tend to love those who love us. Why do you think people are so crazy about dogs? (laughs) See, if you're a cat lover, God bless you. (laughs) We're gonna pray for you. You walk into a room, does the cat's face light up? Yes or no? The cat is sitting there going, I'd like to eat you. If I were just a little bit bigger, I would. Don't mess with me. A dog, you walk into the room. Ah, you're the greatest, you're the best. And a little tail's wagging, tongue, they're slobbering. Now, never mind the fact somebody else walks in their room and they're going, oh, ciao. You know, but still, a dog just loves you unconditionally, right? Their face lights up. Why do you think grandkids love grandparents so much? 
I mean, I'm not bragging, but Kim and I, we got two, and they're crazy about us. And I know what you're thinking. Oh yeah, yeah, they're crazy about you because you give them candy. Oh yeah. And because you let them say it. Oh yeah. And because you do whatever they want. Oh yeah. And because you play with them. Not, yeah, 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 of course. But I'm telling you, I really believe the reason our two granddaughters love us so much is because when they walk into the room, Kim's face, my face just lights up. And they're going These two people are crazy about me. They adore me. They're inviting me to knit my soul together with them. And you know what? I think I just will knit my soul together with them. Now, let me ask you a question. Students, I want you to think about this. Whose face lights up when you walk into the room? But let's flip it. Let's don't make this just all about us. Who does your face light up for when they walk into the room? Because see, we love those who love us. And when your face lights up and somebody else walks into the room, that's you subconsciously, whether you're even thinking about it or not, you're inviting them to knit their soul together with your soul. You're inviting them into community with you. And by the way, you can't get away with, oh, you can say it, but God's not gonna be fooled. And you go, well, I mean, that's just a matter of the heart. I can't decide who I like and don't like. Some people I like, some people I don't like. No, 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 God never describes love as a feeling. See, love is described described as an action. You remember what it says? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not brag. Love does not, is not jealous. So love is this commitment to treat someone in a way that demonstrates to them that you love them and that you're inviting them to knit their soul together with your soul. By the way, that's how Jesus loves you and me, right? He didn't wait until we were all that lovable. No, God demonstrates his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, we walk into the room and we see Jesus and his face is just beaming and he's saying, I love you, I love you enough to die for you. And guess what? We love Jesus because he first loved us because his face lit up and he invited us to knit our soul together with his soul. So let me ask you, who are you inviting into community with you? You're inviting the one for whom your face lights up when they walk into the room. How do we experience community? First, you give your heart. You just let your face light up. Second, you give your help. You give a hand. I'm gonna come back to this in just a moment, so I don't wanna be redundant in the message. So at this point in the sermon, will you just trust me that if you read the story of David and Jonathan, study the story of David and Jonathan, that Jonathan helped David over and over and over and over. He was in a position to help David. David helped Jonathan really after Jonathan passed away. You read the story and he demonstrated so much help toward Jonathan, even after Jonathan's death. What's the point? The point is this. You wanna invite someone into community with you, let your face light up, give them your heart and give them a hand help. 
See, we love those who love us and those who help us, and we invite into community those whom we love and those whom we help. I can tell you right now, my brother, not me, my brother is the most popular, beloved person in our family. Why? Because everybody knows Taylor, not Gary, will do anything for you anytime, day or night, Terry is there. I kid you not. Uh, my, my kids grew up going out to my family's place out in Grayford, Texas, right? And, and my mom and dad uh, would take them all, you know, just, uh, you know, they would go in the creek and they'd get a metal detector and they'd search for buried treasure because everybody knows that Jesse James used to hang out right there on our place. And Billy the Kid did too. Y'all may not know that. And, and, and so they found all kinds of stuff like Billy the Kid's old gun and his old spectacles and all, I mean, priceless treasure. I mean, literally priceless. There's literally no value on this treasure except to my kids. And so we're out there for Thanksgiving, right? The whole crew's out there at the place and, and we're just having a great time. And Megan decides she wants to do for her kids what my mom and dad did for her. And she wants to take them treasure hunting in the creek. And, and I said, man, you ought to get a metal detector. And they're like, yeah, let's go buy a metal detector. And, and I'm like, well, my brother has a metal detector. Let's just call him and see if you could borrow his. We call him. He lives about 50 15 minutes away. And so we didn't, I mean, that's a long way. And so we didn't want to drive all the way over there. So we were just like, Hey, Terry, do you have a metal detector? Yeah, I got a metal detector. Hey, could we borrow it? Yeah, we could borrow it. Well, again, it's just too far to drive then we're having a good time. And so we're just like, Hey, well, the next time we come out, we want to stop by and, and borrow the metal detector. Well, well, what do you think happens 15 minutes from then? Literally 15 minutes. My brother's driving up the drive with a metal detector. And, and next thing, you know, 10 minutes after that, I'm kidding you not. I mean, we've loaded up side by side, four wheelers, trucks, and, and it's just like there's this whole family reunion down at the creek and my brother's leading the charge and, and my granddaughters are metal detecting in the creek. And I decided, gosh, I guess I better go down. So I kind of tagged along after that. But my brother's the one who's leading the charge. Why does everybody love him? Because my brother offers a hand at the drop of a hat. And my whole family, their soul is knit together with his soul because he offers his heart and he offers his hand. You want community? Serve someone. Bless someone. Help someone. Babysit for someone. Take somebody on a treasure hunt. You want to know a great way to serve somebody? Share the gospel with them. Think about who led you to faith in Jesus. Maybe you hadn't talked to that person in 20 years, but I'm telling you, your heart is knit together with that person. For me, I will forever love Brother McDaniel. I have no idea if he's still alive or not. I just know that about 50 some odd years ago, he's the one who led me to faith in Jesus. You want, you want to help someone? Disciple someone. You just begin to meet with someone and you show them how to follow Jesus and obey all that he's commanded them to do. And I'm telling you, your soul is going to be knit together forever with that person? Who is the person who taught you about Jesus? You love and admire that person because that person offered you their heart and their hand. Now, let me just wrap up with this. God wired us for community. You and I'll make a decision today. Do we want to go deeper into community or not? Are we going to make the effort? Let me tell you one of the best things about community. Your community 
are the ones who are in your corner. And they're the ones who, when you are being attacked, they've got your back. Back to David and Jonathan. Saul was king. Jonathan, his oldest son, everybody knew Jonathan was gonna be the second king of Israel. God rejected Saul and in the process rejected Jonathan as the next king because Saul, Jonathan's dad, would not obey God. So God had his prophet Samuel anoint David to be the second king of Israel. Now you've got to understand something of the timeline. David was in his teens when he was anointed to be king. The oldest that he could have been, the scholars suggest, is 15 years of age, probably younger than that. But David doesn't actually become king and start sitting on the throne until he's 30 years of age. So an interval of about 15 years. And that's when Jonathan and David became fast friends. That's when their souls were knit together. And here's Jonathan, a guy who could defeat 20 Philistines and put them to flight. A guy who was courageous, a guy who was tough. But he saw God's anointing on David's life. And so notice what he did. He had David's back. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan had David's back because Jonathan and David's hearts were knit together in biblical community. You realize God wired you in such a way that you crave that. You realize that you and I both need that. The truth is right now, you are in relationship with someone who desperately needs you to be their Jonathan. Somebody who desperately would love to see your face light up when they walk into the room. And someone who would be so blessed if you gave them not only your heart, but also gave them a hand. That's what leads to community. So what I wanna invite you to do, I I hope that you got this communion uh, elements when you came in, but I wanna first invite you into community with Jesus. Please hear me when I say this. Community with Jesus looks like this. There really is a kingdom of this world and Satan really is the little G God of this world. But there's also a kingdom, it's the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, and it's already been crashing into earth. And you go, what does that even mean, crashing into earth? Jesus has already come. You are already a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so when people look at your life, they see just glimpses of how the kingdom of heaven operates. It's already crashing into earth but not fully yet. See, there's a kingdom of God and it's crashing into this earth. One day Jesus will come again and establish the kingdom of heaven on a new earth in a new heaven. But here's the thing, there's only one king in the kingdom and his name is Jesus. And Jesus loves you so much, what he did is he died on a cross in your place to carry the burden for your sin. Uh, They buried him in a tomb, but here's the thing about Jesus. He's God and he defeated the tomb. He defeated, rose again and he defeated sin, death, Satan, and hell. And here's what he invites you to do. He invites you to repent of your sin. To say, Lord, I'm sorry. 
where I've rebelled against you and acted as if I'm the king of my life and you're not. And he asked you to believe in him. He said, believe that I am the son of God who came and offered my body as payment for your sin. And he said, I want you to follow me. I want you to follow me as your king. See, if you do that, if you just say, Jesus, I repent, I believe, I will follow you, the Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The first thing I wanna invite you to do is to enter into community with Jesus Christ if you've never done that. If you have done that, I wanna celebrate, I wanna invite you to celebrate the community that you have with Jesus. Jesus said, I want you to do this in remembrance of me. This is my body, take and eat. But Jesus also said, to enter into community with me, you have to understand it's through the blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. See, if you want to have community with Jesus, you have to believe that he died on a cross and shed his blood as payment for your sin. If you've already trusted in Jesus, then I invite you to celebrate the community that you have with Jesus. He said, I want you to remember, I want you to celebrate our community together. And here's the way you celebrate it. He said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sin. Take and drink. See, I wanna invite you today to enter into community with Jesus, but here's the thing I wanna I ask you to do. I wanna ask you to go deeper into community this year. I, I, I'm gonna ask you, to just do this, this week, would you intentionally just let your face light up when someone walks into the room? Would you do your best to connect with that person, invite them to knit their soul together with you? And as you relate and as you listen, would you offer not just your heart, but your hand? Would you find a way to serve them? You will find this happen. You will find that your soul begins to be knit together with that person. Maybe you don't even really like that person right now. Let me tell you, you give them your heart and your hand and you will find that your soul begins to be knit together with that person's soul. And you will find that there is great joy in community because that's the way God designed you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close this with a word of prayer, but please don't jump out and leave when I say amen, because Richard is going to just make a few quick announcements, and then we're going to be dismissed. Will you pray with me? Jesus, thank you. Thank you for creating the possibility of community with you. Thank you for inviting us into community with you. Lord, may we every single one of us, embrace that opportunity by saying, Jesus, we repent. Jesus, we believe that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and Jesus, we confess you as our Lord. We will follow you. But Lord, would you not let us stop today with just enjoying fellowship and community with you? Lord, would you challenge us to go deeper in community with other believers this week? I pray it in Jesus' holy name. Amen.